Good morning, good afternoon, good afternoon, good night, actually, wherever you're watching or listening to this video podcast. This is England is Burning. It is Sunday. It is Mother's Day in the U.S. It will be Mother's Day in Mexico tomorrow, actually. But happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there in the U.S. We are from Atlanta, Georgia. We are here and we are doing the Chelsea Weekly feature. Chelsea fans, how do you feel? You are... Yes, you are. It's been pending, 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 as they say, all the way to today. The trophy lift was today. Chelsea women are the Women's Super League Champions 2021. Earned it on the field and everywhere else. Truly deserved champions. And to get some reaction, get some thoughts about today and about the 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 league cup and and what's ahead because around the corner champions league trying to get the three of four in the bag. We have Rob Prattley from the CFCW social on with us today to talk about Chelsea. Rob, how do you feel? Welcome. I think there's only four lines that can, uh, no three lines that can probably sum it up perfectly. Simply the best, better than all the rest, better than anyone. And I think that perfectly encapsulates Chelsea's domestic season this year. Um, I think it has been the best, most competitive WSL season ever. Um, I think you've got a team in Manchester City that are probably the best team to finish runners-up in WSL. Um, And by that argument, you've also got one of the best wins and best winners of the WSL. It, it has been, in, in it, as I tweeted out shortly after uh, watching the team lift the trophy at King's Meadow, uh, that they truly, I, I really truly believe because of the unprecedented nature of the season in terms of its level of competitiveness, the level of popularity, the level of incoming players coming in, um, the close the close races that we had for multiple, uh, you know, positions, including for the championship, including for relegation, including for the champions league slots in which now they were three to go for, you know, Chelsea, you know, all props, all flowers, all whatever, whatever you want to give them, they deserve because they really, I know this is their, I think, believe their fifth title in seven years, but I think this is the one for them that they've worked hardest for. Uh, and they really have truly earned it, Rob. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I would agree. Again, Emma Hayes said it was the sort of most special of the titles. And as I, you know, I made no element of it. Last year it was nice to win the league, but it wasn't really winning the league. It was winning a condenser. It was a bit like when the spring series happened is the best comparison. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, they won the amount of games, but they didn't win them all. And they won it due to, you know, technicalities. Mm-hmm. And okay, it was a good side, but I don't think it was on the same, you know, level and same plane as we've had this year. And I think, you know, that has to be, you know, acknowledged is partly how good how good the other teams have been and how much better the standard is in WSL this year. Because apart from, you know, the odd freak result we've seen, we've seen a couple of, you know, very high scores. There hasn't been as many, you know, absolute drubbings this year. And mm-hmm. teams are now starting to wise up and close the gap. And you know, it's rare that you're still seeing you know teams coming into games where they've got absolutely no hope whatsoever, and that that can only be a good thing in the longer term and long way that continue. Well, I mean, I mean exactly. I mean, and that's why I think this was, excuse me, this was a, such an unprecedented season from a competitive standpoint because going into the last Sunday of the season the relegation situation had not been completely resolved. The championship of the league had not been completely resolved. It was not though we, it was favored in one direction to another, but still it wasn't completely settled. Mm. And even the relegate, uh, even the champions league spots weren't completely uh, settled, uh, you know, because there could have been an alien invasion and somehow Manchester United could have gotten 23 goals um, and somehow managed to, to grab that third slot, but having four teams, competing for three slots for, you know, the Champions League slots and then having essentially three teams possibly, you know, in a running of possibly being relegated uh, at the end made pretty much all but I would say what one or two of the matches today, uh, you know, something to be watchful for and having, of course, the English tradition of having them all at the same time. So nobody knows, you know, what the other is, is, uh, you know, 
that you all have them all be competitive because you can't be like, okay, well, one team, well, they won. Okay. It's over. So we don't need to do anything. Uh, so it, it was really, I love the last day, you know, for that reason. And I was constantly like flipping, you know, back, you know, back and forth, like, okay, what's, what's happening here? What's happening here? What's happening here? Uh, from my perspective, because I mean, to be honest, Rob, I stopped watching today's game of Chelsea uh, against Reading at three nil. I, I, you know, once I saw that third goal go in, I was like, all right, let me see what's going on. Uh, you know, at this point, because it was, I think at that point, fait accompli. Uh, but, you know, yeah. what were your thoughts? I, I know that, I know that Chelsea won the, the match on Wednesday, which was important from the standpoint of they had a, that was a makeup match against Tottenham yeah. on Wednesday. They had mm-hmm. to play that match. Um, that was another possible opportunity, uh, you know, a banana peel situation, yeah. a, a speed bump in the road for the Blues going in uh, as Manchester City's you know, sitting back waiting, hoping for a trip up somewhere. It didn't happen. Uh, Sam Kerr got two goals, um, you know, on Wednesday. It was a 2 0. Not a whole lot to really talk about there, but the three points necessary yeah. to take us to today. So yeah. your thoughts about, you know, how things, how, what was the atmosphere like going into today with Reading, you know, at home, mm-hmm. all the pomp and circumstance potentially, what what was it like going into it today? So I, you know, as a Chelsea fan, I'm one of those people that remembers a long, long time ago, in WSL, where Chelsea went into the final day in WSL, this was back when the season was played over the sort of win over the summer months, as per se. Um, where Chelsea in in October 2014 went into the final day, top of the league, and ended the day in third, and Liverpool pipped them to the title. And it, you know, I remember seeing the reaction of some of the players and the reaction of Emma Hayes. And it was devastating because Chelsea went in that day favourite. So I wasn't taking anything for granted at mm-hmm. all. Then you also had the element that Reading are a tough team to play against. And despite that, although they've struggled against some of the lesser teams in the league and, you know, they'd lost 5-0 to Chelsea earlier in the year. That was a bit of a um, uh, sort of a bit of an anomalous result, really. And it was just that that game was more due to individual brilliance of Fran Kirby and, you know, just a un- unbelievable performance from Kirby. Um then there was also, you know, the added caveat of it being Farrah Williams' final game. And, mm-hmm. you know, Farrah Williams herself is a Chelsea fan. And despite that, you know, as a pro, she wanted to win. And she's always wanted to win throughout her career. She's been a consummate sort of professional. Is a big reason why the women's game has grown in England. And I was delighted to see, you know, it's just a shame there weren't fans in there to sort of, you know, applaud her on a sort of incredible career, sort of, you know, that spanned multiple clubs and been there, done that you know, got the T-shirt, got the lot. Um, and it was good to see her recognised by Chelsea FC before the game for her service mm-hmm. to it. So th- there's all of that sort of, you know, all of that coming into it. And at the same time, it was hard to be nervous because this Chelsea side have earned the right to be trusted. And under Emma Hayes, it's, you know, there is, as you know, my opinion, Emma Hayes, there's very little of Emma Hayes where you look at it and think, you know, oh, I, I sort of don't trust Emma on that. And just with the amount of credibility she has in the bank, I mean, she could sort of select any 11 players, I think, from the squad nowadays. And you could look at it and think, yeah, actually, I can understand what Emma's trying to do here. Um, obviously, so Chelsea started off an absolute house on fire, 30 seconds in, nearly scored, and then get the corner. And then the corner's sort of played back, and Melly Leopold's with the side foot volley, you know, it comes from a crowd of players. Should Maloney do better? Maybe. But it sort of goes in. And then instantly, that sort of settles the nerves. And I think as soon as that sort of happened, um, sort of, you know, I think the title was effectively decided then and there in about 69 seconds into the match. Um, I, I will say, I don't think it was very good. And, you know, I understand that normally if there were fans in the stadium, you would have found out anyway. But I didn't think it was very impressive to hear the Tannoy announcer at West Ham immediately announcing to the Manchester City players that Chelsea had gone a goal up. To me, that wasn't particularly sporting or sensible. Um, but... It was an odd sort of first half because I think Chelsea played very well and Emma Hayes sort of made reference to the team being quite sluggish and quite sloppy. But yet, there's just something about them where there's so many world-class players in the team and so many world-class attackers that, you know, even a half chance, even just a half opportunity, suddenly, you know, one more pass, sort of the pass is perfect and then suddenly you've got an opportunity and a goal. 
And as soon as that ball was played in sort of by G, to G So Young, you saw that little bit of space that was being made by Kirby, and you thought, hang on, something could happen here. And then the ball sort of it inch perfect in behind for Kerr, Kerr's onto it. And as soon as Kerr gets it, you sort of felt, you know, this is going to end in a goal, whether Kerr was going to shoot herself or pick the right pass, mm-hmm. and then pulls it back to Kirby, and Kirby puts it into the top corner. To be honest, at that point, you could have just ended the game. That could have been, you know, the full-time whistle. From that point on, it was more sort of the pomp and ceremony of playing out the final sort of 45 minutes and just really seeing, you know, how many goals Chelsea could get it. Um I mean, Reading did play their part in it. They had a couple of chances. And again, there were some good blocks from Magda Eriksson. There was one very good save for AKB to deny Farrah Williams. But, you know, it sort of the second half became a little bit of the Kerr and Kirby show, as has so mm-hmm. often been this season. I mean, you know, long pass up from AKB. Kirby bring, uh, Kerr brings it down perfectly and just waits and waits and waits for Kirby to come onto it. And as soon as Kirby sort of came onto it in that space, you thought goal. And, you know, just a left foot absolute pile driver into the top corner. And then the same with Fran Kirby, sort of, you know, brilliant sort of little run through. And as soon as that sort of run started happening, she was taking on players, you were like, hang on, so it's going to happen here. The little chip ball over the top. Well, I mean, that took about six players out of the game. And, you know, Sam Kerr's not missing from there. And then sort of the fifth goal. The fifth goal was a little unlucky again. Maloney making a really good save from Sam Kerr. And Erin Cuthbert, the sort of player that she is, just sniffing out the opportunity and didn't catch it perfectly. But sort of, it's the sort of one that typified them as sort of champions, just sniffing out that half opportunity, poking it in over the line. And it sort of ended in a bit of, you know, a procession in that regard, really. Yes. And, and it was, but you know, what was interesting though, because I, I, as a new, as a neutral watching from the States, you know, this all started at nine 30 in the morning here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and again, the, the, the Chelsea Reading match, because of the, the, the trophy being essentially, quote on the line for them uh was you know nationally televised um here in the u.s the other matches were you had to go you know use the fa player or add a football or whatever but the chelsea team the chelsea match uh was you know on you know regular tv here in the u.s uh which was you know pretty you know which was pretty special and pretty nice uh you know to see um and um, but it was interesting that that I I kind of missed the very first part of the of the match and the, but I hit it like right at like right before the first goal and I was like you know because I was like oh I wonder how things you know wonder how, you know, how everything's going with that you know with this game is it really going to be cagey is it going to be edgy you know going in and then I saw the first goal. You know, and I was like, oh, well, Chelsea just scored in the first two minutes, uh, you know, and, and so forth. So I thought, oh, this could be this could be it. But then it got then it got really cagey for the remainder of the half. What I mean, what would you what do you think was going on? You know, you, you know, you mentioned that Emma was thinking maybe it was kind of sloppy. I wasn't sure it was really to me sloppy. It seemed pretty cagey. But also that's kind of what Reading kind of does. They kind of create kind of a cagey situation. What, what were your thoughts during that first yeah, half? I, I, mean, I, I, I think for the incredibly high standards Chelsea do have, it was sloppy. Because um, I think there was an awful that's lot. That's a good of point. Were, <laughs> yeah, I think there were an awful lot of balls that they sort of gave away unnecessarily and at times uh, at times it felt like there was a desire to get that second goal and that was causing them to sort of rush things a little bit because I think they all knew once they got the second goal that was sort of going to confirm it and wrap it up and the longer and longer it went on at 1-0 especially in the second half if it had gone to you know 1-0 that changes the team talk completely and I think you know um, Kelly Chambers uh, team talk at halftime changed completely because Chelsea got that second goal right before sort of time, um, right before the second half, um, right before the halftime whistle. Um, KG, I think, is, yeah, probably a fair word. I mean, in truth, Chelsea didn't really ever look in danger of conceding. They sort of gave up half chances, but there were never any of them where you sort of looked at it and thought, oh, that's a, you know, really world-class piece of defending or a world-class save from AKB. And... It's sort of in that way, it sort of drifted a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, ultimately Chelsea being one up wouldn't have minded it drifting for periods of the game. I mean, if they'd have gone one up and it drifted for eighty odd minutes, that would have been fine. It just, you know, it means you know it's a bit of an anticlimactic way to become champions, but ultimately, you know, your name is on the cup regardless. Right. Right. 
Yeah, and as I was looking at all of the scores that were happening during the first half, I mean, it seemed that all in many respects, some a lot of the games were either very cagey or they had drifted uh, because they were all sitting at zero zero or one nil score lines up until about halftime. Uh, the only exception was was in, was uh, Bristol City, um, in you know in, in their match. But um, yeah, I think the it sounded like uh, looked like things were a little bit you know, a little bit on edge, but it was like, but it, but almost to me though, I think at the same time, you know, you just felt like it's going to happen. We just don't know when it's going to happen. And sure enough, it did with the, you know, with the one twos and the one twos for, you know, uh, Sam Carr and Fran Kirby uh, with uh, Fran getting that goal right at the end of the half. And, And that pretty much, you know, in, in my mind, that pretty much settled it. I was like, just, I mean, I'm not even, I was sitting there thinking, I'm not even sure Redding's going to get a goal out of this game, let alone try to score yeah. two. Um, you know, and meanwhile, you know, uh, City was struggling, you know, their way through, uh, yeah. you know, their match. Um, I would like to, just, just in that term, that I would like to give a shout out to uh, Mackenzie Arnold. Although they lost 1-0, put in a, you know, unbelievable performance, capped off with two penalty saves from two of the best players in, you know, Mewis who's been one of the best players in this season in WSL um, and also Lavelle, who technically is a brilliant, brilliant player. And they were two excellent saves. Again, you, you, we've missed penalties. Sometimes they are ones where you look at them and think, you know, the, the takers completely got it wrong. Like Aguero's one yesterday for mm-hmm. against Chelsea men. In other cases, you look at it and just have to say the goalkeeper's done brilliant. They were a nice height, but they were down in the corner. Arnold got down really, really well and saved it well. And again, as someone one of the City fans, I sort of speak to you, said it sort of encapsulated their sort of season at times and their own struggles in front of goal. And at mm-hmm. times they looked very sluggish today without Chloe Kelly. And I think, you know, the, the concern is where does that dynamism sort of come from if she's not there? Whereas in Chelsea's case, even if, you know, Frank Kirby's not performing, there's Sam Kerr. If Sam Kerr's not performing, you've got Penilla Harder. If none of them are performing, you can turn to the bench and get Guru right. And then, you know, Jesse Fleming and Beth England all on and you've also got Giso Young and Erin Cuthbert's there and she's dynamic too. And there's just so many players that can come up with the goals and with the goods. Yeah, I mean, and, the, and I think you brought a, that's an you know, absolutely completely brilliant point and it also speaks to how competitive the title race really was. Yeah, Because, I mean, Manchester City, you know, they brought in a whole bunch of players. They even brought in a player, uh, Abby Dahlkemper, during the January transfer window to try to shore things up, to try to add more depth, um, you know, to, to try to, you know, to, you know, tip the scales. And but it took a incredibly deep Chelsea squad. You know, where, as you just mentioned, being able to be like, okay, if one player is not going to, is not, you know, on target, someone else can be on target. If someone was injured, someone else was going to step in because that happens, right? The only position I'd say in the entire squad Mm -hmm. where you look at it and you don't think there's at least two quality backups in the position is uh, centre-back. Centre-back is where Chelsea are light and that's why, that's why I think they need to look to recruit in the summer. But you know, you look at right back when Mayor Mielder got injured, suddenly Neem Charles has sort of stepped in. A left Absolutely. back, you've got Anderson and sort of mm-hmm. um, Charles in the midfield. You had Ingle, G, and Leopold starting today, but you've got the likes of Drew Spence, Jesse Fleming, Aaron Cuthbert, all sort of on the bench. And again, you've got people like Hannah Blundell, who I haven't even sort of mentioned in that equation, is a very good, solid player as well. And sort of names at the front like Beth England and Guru Wrighton. Um, uh, who you know in other in other WSL teams would be undisputed stars and would be the star players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, this is how competitive it is, and I've I've basically what I have learned in my knowledge of European football that I've you know so dedicated in the last several couple of years to learning is in order to be the best in England, in order to be the best in Europe, on you know on the women's side, you have to be in incredibly deep in most all positions, if not all of them, because there's so many competitions, so many matches, natural tiredness, injury, whatnot happens. And you've got to be deep. And this season, you know, Chelsea had to be the deepest squad of talent 
in order to win this title. Because otherwise, if they weren't as deep as they were, it would have been much more difficult uh, for them to do, uh, even you know, even with the, the talent they do have on the first team. Um, you know, so it, it really, I, I say all of that to say that Chelsea as a project, Chelsea as a club has done a magnificent job. Emma Hayes has done an incredible job. She always has, yeah. but I, this may be one of her better jobs in, in managing in terms of, uh, you know, in the last nine years with this, with this, this situation uh, and not just with, having all of the intangible issues that were happening and even tangible issues that were going on on and off the, the pitch to deal with and then navigate through to get to where Chelsea is because we're talking about, and we're going to get to Barcelona next Sunday in a moment, but we're talking about, you know, and the American commentators here were mentioning this, that we're talking about next week, you're talking about the third of four trophies potentially in the bag towards a possible quadruple over the course of several of a few months if we're FA Cup is going into next season. But the point being is this like an incredible run. Yeah. I I mean I I it's difficult because I think it's one of those things where you look at when you look at the squad that Chelsea have, you sort of have an, and the manager they have and the resources they have. I'm gonna be honest, they are in a you know a different stratosphere to most sides in WSL. Um, however, uh, the flip side of that, that is a, you know, it's a thing for other clubs to look at and it is the blueprint between Chelsea and, you know, City in recent years, but Chelsea sort of on a more longer term scale. Mm-hmm. It's the blueprint of what you look at, how you say, right, this is how I'm going to make a, you know, a team world class. And again, I'd just like to draw back. I found, I was reading an article on the BBC. I was sort of looking back through some of the um, articles, and I found one where it referenced Chelsea's first WSL title way back in 2015. And at the bottom of it, it sort of said, you know, the question is how many trophies are Chelsea going to go on and win? And uh, now we have the answer, a lot. Um, And so that was Emma Hayes' first WSL. And I think, you know, it's a big thing for Chelsea, obviously, that they are now the record holders of the number of most wins of WSL. Um, they took that record today with four of them. And there's also players in that squad that have been there for all four of them. Drew Spence, Hannah Blundell, Jiso Young, that have seen the club go from being this side that, you know, came out of nowhere to suddenly start competing to, you know, now being a European powerhouse. And if they do win the title, I mean, even if they don't win it next week, it's been an incredible season still. I want to, you know, make that clear. This is Next week does not, you know, is not the be-all and end-all. However... In some ways, it will be, you know, it could be the be all and end all because if Chelsea do win it, it's, I think, the final step in the project that was put in place about a decade ago of Emma Hayes coming in and sort of, you know, wanting to make the club into a superpower. Was that the goal? Was the goal to make Chelsea a superpower? What was the goal at the start yes. of this project? The goal at the start of the project was Emma Hayes, and this is, comes from the, one of the players who I've interviewed, said, Emma Hayes came in and said, you know, you want Chelsea men, Chelsea men, or, you know, this was just after they won the Champions League. Chelsea mm-hmm. men have done that. You want Chelsea women to do the same thing um, and be, you know, on that same level and that same global superpower. And you want them to be the same name because Emma Hayes has always recognised, you know, the, at some point the women's game is going to explode and start growing. And we've started to really see that happen in the last, you know, two years or 18 months. Mm-hmm. And you want your team to be at the very forefront of it. Because then when it comes around to, you know, this new sort of global audience for it, Chelsea are going to be one of those teams that suddenly people look at and think, you know, hang on, they are the team to beat, they are the team to watch, they are the one. And that's where Chelsea want to be. And Emma Hayes made it clear that, you know, this is how I'm going to do it. These are the resources you're going to do it. You're going to trust me. And, you know, if it doesn't go the right way, then, you know, I will fall on the sword. And she made that very clear from the beginning, which is why I think the board and the club have been so happy to trust her and back her and also why even when they're that poor season a few years ago and finished outside the Champions League they stayed with Hayes because mm-hmm. normally for Chelsea men that would bring you know a change of manager and in the women's mm-hmm. case they recognise that it's harder to you know do better than Hayes. possible I would say impossible so I felt like the second half of the match with Reading, you know, leading to us to the core to a coronation was, you know, your sort of became more of your prototype 
Chelsea performance that we've seen repeatedly throughout the season, at least in the second half, where you know he had you know things kind of loosened up, got the got. Uh, the offense moving a little bit more fluidly, a little bit more creatively, uh, and so forth. Then the first goal happens, and then things start. Then it's on at that point. Mm. Chelsea scores three goals in the you know in the second half. You know Kirby in the fifty seventh, Kerr in the seventy first, and then Cuthbert near the end. Uh, well, not near the end, the seventy fifth minute, and so forth. And it was more you know of what you know we've come to expect from Chelsea against the dare I say lesser opponents in you know in the end um you know so it was a fate completely at, at some point um what were what were your thoughts in the second half what were your thoughts in in terms of the countdown towards the end I mean I, I feel in the second half it sort of became a it became a joint couple of things number one it was just going to be a case of I think after the Lord Mayor show isn't fair but it was a case that Chelsea knew they'd got the game won and it wasn't really going to change. Number two, it was a bit of a testimonial sort of feel to it for Farrah Williams again when she got when she was trying to shoot and you know Reading were trying to get the ball to her as much as possible. And then you also had Frank Kirby just trying to continuously tee up Sam Kerr because Chelsea didn't know that you know what had happened with the Arsenal game. And Emma Hayes made it clear that she didn't let any of the team find out any of the results elsewhere um, at half time. And Obviously, if you know, it's perfectly possible Viv Miedemar could have gone against West Ham and scored two or three. And Frank Kirby made it clear in her post-match interview she wanted Sam to get that golden boot. Mm-hmm. And so it became a little bit sort of like that, to be honest. It became a little bit of a sort of procession towards the end. But at the same time, I don't think you can, you know, blame Reading for that, to be honest. It's hard to, you know, stay switched on when you know that the other team have got a lot more to play for and sort of, you know, your season is not petering out, that's the wrong word, but coming to its natural conclusion. Yeah, and Sam Kerr does end up winning the uh, the Golden Boot coming out at the end of the season. If I'm correct, 21 goals uh, yep. in uh, in 22 games. <laughs> That's pretty solid. <laughs> 21 goals in 22 games, and then you have Fran Kirby right behind with 16. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I've never seen a duo that strong in in the women's game anywhere that I can see <laughs> of, uh, this level. 50, um, 51. Goal, uh, goal contributions and counting yeah. between Kirby this season and uh, 36 in WSL. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. And we saw that show in the second half and so forth. Um, I was wondering, though, I, I love trophy celebrations, even if it's a team that I don't even watch that much. I, I, I really do. I love trophy celebrations because it's uh, – and it's – I think it was probably pretty bittersweet, Rob, you think, though – at Kings Meadow, though no fans there. I think to an extent, but I also think it's just reward for the players because Absolutely, we have to remember yeah. that they also, you know, deserve the right. And I would also like to say the first thing they did when they were able to was go outside and go and greet the fans that had gone to Kings Meadow. And that is the the real special bond that Chelsea supporters group have with the women's team. Um, they, you know, regularly you see Emma Hayes reference that she misses the fans and that, you know, she We'll have them back in regularly. You see the players do it. The supporters group have an incredible connection with the players. Um, and, you know, like it will only be when, you know, the fans are back next year, they will give them the acclaim they deserve. And hopefully it will, you know, be celebrating a even more greater achievement. Yeah. And uh, I had retweeted a, a, well, retweeted a tweet from uh, the supporters group, uh, Chelsea supporters group, uh, because I, they had tweeted out a picture of them, uh, I guess, them out waiting at, out Kings, in the Meadow, parking, yeah. at Kings Meadow in the parking lot um, and so forth. And and uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, they're just they're in the parking lot. And I was thinking, like, OK, so if they get the trophy, are they going to the team going to go out to the parking lot uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, and share it with them? And so you're confirming. Yeah, they did, uh, which is they, great. They, they, they did. Obviously, due to COVID, there were certain limitations mm-hmm. of it. But, you of know, course. I know that there was a lot of that. And I also, you know, I'd like to give credit to Erin um, Cuthbert, who also donated her match day shirt to one of the leading members of the sports group, uh, Kerry Evans, who does an incredible amount for. Chelsea FC supporters group, uh, CCW social have worked with them before. They are an absolute, you know, uh, as I said in another tweet earlier, from the team to the management staff to the supporters group, Chelsea are simply the best this season. 
Yes, uh, and they have been. There's no, been no doubt about it. There's no, there's really, there's no question uh, on and off the field. No question about it. Chelsea's been the best, but this season's not over, Rob. <laughs> I mean, there's no. a bigger thing. There's a bigger thing ahead. The, this entire project, and I, I love a project. You know, I love a storyline project where this has been going on for nine years now, uh, and so forth. And much has been said about that. Much has been said about that. But at the, but here we are. One week away from a trip to Gothenburg uh, against Barcelona for the Champions League, Chelsea's first final, Chelsea's first uh, uh, chance to win their first Champions League on the women's side, uh, the, fir- the chance for a f- English side to win the Champions League for the first time since 2007. Um, I mean, there's so many superlatives, so many firsts here. Uh, what are your thoughts going in? And we're now a week away. What are your thoughts going into the Champions League final? I mean, I think Anna Hayes summed it up nicely after the game when she said, you know, we're not going there to be in a final. We're going there to win the game and to go win the trophy. Um, I have the full confidence in the team. FC Barcelona are an incredible side, you know, let, let's face it. But at the same time, I will say the Spanish league is a lower quality of league overall than um, the WSL. And that's signified by some of the score lines Barcelona have dished out. I think it's what 100, 100 plus goals scored and five conceded. Um, even you know in WSL we don't see those sort of numbers. Um, so I think that there's an element of that. I also think that you know City in that second leg against them played very very well, and Chelsea can play that as well as that again as well as that. There's no reason they can't win it. Uh, I think you know. The form they've got, Frank Kirby, Sam Kerr, Penelope Harder, all in at this moment in time. They're all match winners themselves. Um, defensively, again, Chelsea have been a little bit shaky. We're a little bit shaky in some of the recent games, but with Magda Eriksson back with Millie Bright there and with, you know, Carter and um, Charles both playing as well as they are, or bringing in Jonna Anderson as well. I've got full faith in her. And AKB in goal. You know, there's no reason they can't do it. And the midfield options are just stacked. So, there's no reason they can't go to Gothenburg next week and, and win the cup with the big ears. Now I will say though, Rob, you, and I'm not going to say what I'm going to, well, I'm not going to say what I'm actually thinking, but so I made, I made the same statement uh, when we were, pre- when we were here predicting, not you and me, but when I was talking with Emma with a man city women fan cast about Barcelona uh, mm-hmm. ahead of their matchup. And I was looking at their score lines. I actually was watching some of their games leading up to it in, in, um, in La Liga competition there. And I was like, and I was like, no, nah, the level of competition that, that Barcelona is playing. And I, and I still agree that it's the case, but I, I was selling Barcelona short, you know, when, when I was watching them play, haphazardly a little bit sloppily against lesser opponents i was like okay well against a side like you know a a higher level side what what are we going to see because none of their opponents up until they faced manchester city were of really significant quality Uh, none of them i mean through the champions league and then through the league nothing so i mean so it made sense they were just rolling opponents and they were and to me they weren't really fluid doing it they were at times very sloppy mm-hmm. at times they would drift at times you know and so forth and, and what i didn't realize was how really good they actually were until they got put into a situation where they had to play a high much higher quality team I just didn't think they were going to step up and they did. They certainly did step up against Manchester city and they stepped up against, you know, uh, you know, against PSG, um, not PSG, <laughs> I'm getting my, my signals crossed here. Uh, but they did step up against, you know, their opponent, the opponents that they faced and they stepped up against PSG. They stepped up against uh, who they needed to. So I was like, well, I'm not going to make the mistake of saying that um, that as a result of they're not having really good competition, that 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 is going to mean that they're not going to be as good. It it may be true, but on the other hand, you're at, I believe you're absolutely right because Chelsea's the best team in England. They're the best. They clearly showed uh, that you know after beating Bayern, that you know yeah they're they're at least the second best team in the world. <laughs> you know, at the very least, you know, and I think they're on equal footing 
Um, and I think it's going to, I think it's going to take top notch from everybody on the pitch though. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, I is agree. there, is there a key, what are you, are you expecting anything different from Barcelona that we haven't already seen from them in their previous matches when they were playing PSG, when they're playing no. Manchester City? Anything different? They're going to play. You think they're? Have you heard anything saying that they're going to do anything different than what they've normally been I doing? Can't, I, can't, I can't see why they would. It's worked for them all season. Why would you suddenly? This is why I think you know the same thing with Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea will change. It's worked for them all season, and if you're a good team, and this is what separates the really, really good teams from the sort of you know good but not brilliant teams. Good but not brilliant teams panic when they go against another good but not brilliant another really good team and feel like they need to adapt their style of play. The really good teams know they can just play through their style of play because they're better. And and I yeah, and I think you're right. I, I've seen managers, you know, and, and this is you know, this is my thing against um my thing against Pep Guardiola, manager at Manchester City sometimes because he Though as great as he is, he keeps shopping and changing stuff up in the wrong times, you know. And and it's been it's happened time and time and time again. And so it's like why? And I and there's a saying here in the states. You've probably heard it. The saying says, "Is dance with who brought you." And what essentially that means is you made it this far with what you were doing, what you have, what you were doing to get here, who you were with, the players you used, all of that stuff. It got you to where you are now. There's absolutely no point in doing anything different because because it would just you're creating potential chaos and confusion and a mess could could result of it so yeah. you know there's i don't think there's any reason the the player on chelsea side i keep thinking about in this match and i want to know your thoughts as, as key and pretty crucial to me i mean if, i mean there's any you can pick anybody but i'm i keep thinking of pernell harder as one of the key keys to this match coming up um i'm not sure why i think that but given her experience her experience in germany um you know experience in these competitions um i just keep thinking of her as really a critical component to this match coming up next weekend what are your thoughts Mm -hmm. about cornell harder in this match yeah, I think Penilla Harder is one of those players that has the experience of being in the final, and that's a big going to be a big thing for Chelsea. And she herself will want to win the final, having you know been the been the bridesmaid sort of herself beforehand, never the bride. Um, I think she just got you know everything Penilla Harder does just oozes quality at every moment in time, and that's the thing of like a real world class player makes everything look so so easy, even when it's not. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, I think you know, to be honest, looking at that front, that whole front three, Penilla Harder, Sam Kerr, Frank Kirby, like if they are on form and on song, then, you know, people talk about Barcelona's attack. That Chelsea attack is as potent, if not more potent. Um, and in terms of Barcelona, I'm looking, hmm. I mean, Barcelona has so many potential you know scoring threats but so does Chelsea I yeah. mean this this has an even match all over it um you know it's like you know we were talking about you well, you were mentioning before what Chelsea can throw out from the bench that you know can compete and contribute and score and, and Barcelona has that as well um I mean you look on the Barcelona side and you you have a player um you know uh, Ashola you know, on their side where, where she doesn't even, you know, she's a top scoring player on their side, but she doesn't start every game. Yeah. I said to me, I said to it that, you know, the thing that shows me the big thing is that Laker Martins doesn't always start from FC Barcelona. Right. And I think Laker Martins is probably in my top five players worldwide. I think Laker Martins is absolutely brilliant. Um, and like, you know, in, Every other side, if she came to WSL, I have no doubt she would completely tear WSL to pieces. Um, you know, wherever she came, she would come in and be, you know, one of the top scorers on the top creative forces. And yet, at times, it seems to be able to get into the team. Now, that is why, you know, Barcelona have to be respected in that regard. 
But at the same time, the respect shouldn't be fear because Chelsea themselves can point to the fact that they have the last year's previous WSL golden boot winner who's sitting on the bench at the minute because of the form of the other players. So is this a mental match then? And it, because we're talking about two teams that are essentially pretty evenly matched. They are very good on defense, very good on offense, you know, both of them. Both of them have, have stars all over the place, sitting on the bench, all over the field, everywhere. This is about as evenly matched as I can see of, uh, of two teams in a final. Is it now down to mentality? Is it down to the mental side of the game on who decide who wins this? You know, because Barcelona's never, and Barcelona's never won the Champions League either, by the way. They've been in a final, but they have not won. I don't necessarily think it's the it's the mental side. I think they've both got you know strong mentalities. I think it'll just be on the day that the best side will come out on top. In all honesty, I, I think it's you know difficult to overanalyze this. It's one of those things where you can look at it and you can compare every match up and compare all the stats and compare all the data. Ultimately, these are just two brilliant footballing sides, and they're going to come and meet one another. And you know there there is no clear favorite. There is no clear obvious you know team that's ahead and. At the end of the night, there will be a new name on the Champions League trophy, and that's the only thing we can sort of say about it. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it just it comes down to a lot about you know who, who I mean, who is the best on that day, mm-hmm. you know, on that on that night, afternoon, night, wherever wherever people are going to be watching this thing, uh, it, it's going to be who's going who's the best at that moment. Uh, and so forth. So, what do you have any expectations except that this may be a g- really great display? Um, it should be a great match. It's, you know, I encourage everyone who has the chance to watch it. It's going to be available certainly on free to air in the UK on BT Sport via their YouTube channel. Um, again, I, I don't know internationally, but I'm sure there will be plenty of ways to sort of televise it. Um, I hope, you know, the officiating does it justice and we don't see sort of, you know, nonsense decisions that have unfortunately plagued the UWCL so far because it would not be, you know, good. I believe VAR is in use for the final as well. So I really hope it's not some sort of nonsense VAR decision that decides it um, because that would just completely overshadow it as a spectacle. And yeah, may the best team sort of win. I'm not going to ask you about what you think the scoreline is going to be because I think you'll probably give me the whole bit about, you know, there's going to be a referee and they're going to play maybe, you know, at least 90 minutes and someone's going to blow a whistle and there can be two teams on the field and so forth. Am I about right on that? Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. I don't think it's fair to try and predict a game like this because, there, you know, there are so many things that could happen and so many, you know, match winners on either side, so many chances, so many variables. This is not like a game in WSL where I can look at it and say, well, on the balance of probability, Chelsea should win, or on the balance of probability, Barcelona should win. There's no, you know, they haven't ever met before as well in the competition. So there's no sort of previous form book in that regard. Um, But yeah, just, you know, may the best team win, as I keep saying, and I I hope it is Chelsea. But if not, you know, FC Barcelona, Fermini will be a very worthy winner as well. For whatever it's worth, I'm going to go ahead and give a prediction. Uh, for whatever it's worth, Rob, um, I I think this is going to be a classic. I think this is going to be a classic game. It's going to be an absolute spectacle for all of y'all to watch. I I, I encourage everyone to watch this. Uh, I'm going to be tweeting out where where this can be seen in the U.S. Uh, you know, as we as the lead up towards the event and so forth. But this is going to be classic. I think this is going to go beyond 90 minutes. I think it's going to be two two. At the end of 90, it's going to go in extra time. And I think Chelsea's going to win the match in extra time after um, 30 minutes. I would happily take that. I mean, it's and it's going to be like 3-2. I think it's 3-2, and it's going to be a classic goal that Chelsea fans, you're all going to remember forever, <laughs> you know, uh, and so forth. I don't know who's going to score as, as anybody, a, but as, it's going to be one of those classics. Where... As I've said, whoever you know, whoever scores it, whoever it is in the squad, whether it is their first ever Chelsea goal in the case of Jesse Fleming, mm-hmm. if it is their first, you know, their sort of whatever number of goals I think it is now would be I think Sam Kerr's fortieth uh, goal in Blues colours in total. 
whoever sort of scores it will go down in Chelsea sort of history if they do score a winner in it in the same way that, you know, Didier Drogba will always be venerated in Chelsea's men's history for scoring that goal in Bayern, uh, in, against Bayern Munich. And, you mentioned- uh, yeah. I, I just Around, hope you know. that's maybe that's why I keep thinking of harder. That's I feel, I feel like she would be the one potentially. I mean, it could be anybody really. I mean, there's so many players that could potentially be on the Chelsea side that could score, you know, the winning goal in the Champions League, and all of them I'm sure will uh, have been dreaming about this for a long, long time. But I see someone. Mm-hmm. I maybe that's why I keep thinking about harder. If you've been in a final before, been on the losing side, uh, you know, to see her win essentially win the Champions League for Chelsea, uh, you know, by with it, you know, as a goal and in, in extra time, you know, to win it uh, and so forth, you know, is a, you know, is a really good storyline, but there's so many incredible storylines. Like I can imagine like Frayne Kirby with all she's been through to uh, yeah, get, get a winning pick, goal or something like to, that. If you know, pick, if I was to pick a, a couple of players, I'd like to see score the winner. It would be either Fran Kirby for, you know, the, the fact of everything she's been through and the fact she's come back from pericarditis to become the best player in the world. And I think she should win the Ballon d'Or regardless of whether Chelsea win it or not. Or alternatively, Ji So Young. Because Ji So Young has been with Chelsea mm. from the beginning of the project. Has come yeah. in, is one of the most underrated players in WSL. Doesn't fuss, doesn't moan. Mm-hmm. You know, even when she's on the bench, she just works harder and gets herself back mm. in the team and, you know, keeps Chelsea so balanced. He's such a technically brilliant player. He's such a wonderful teammate for all of them. And yeah, again, there's a reason why Chelsea fans chant G so young. She's unbelievable because she really is. So in closing, Rob, I, I did want to ask though, what's it like to support a club that has both the men's and women's team in a Champions League final? Um, I'll, I'll say this on a couple of things actually, because there's a, on a, on a sort of fan level, it's an amazing sort of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, it's sort of, it's one of those things where, I didn't expect it from the men's side, certainly this season. For women's side, I was, you know, hoping they were going to go very far in the competition. Um, there's a couple of different ways you can look at this. Either it potentially ends, you know, one of the greatest seasons in Chelsea's history and that they win both Champions Leagues, the FA Cup, and, you know, have won the WSL and the Conti Cup. Or alternately, it ends quite sour because you lose both Champions League finals and you've still got the league and the Conti Cup. You could also lose the FA Cup. So it could be potentially quite sour in that regard. But from a content creator point of view, it's, you know, great to sort of have so much content and have so much going into the final sort of few games of the season. It really spurs people on. I would like to actually just, um, while I'm here, because I've had an amazing team sort of all year now for it, um, just thank the members of CFCW Social, our sort of creative members, if that's all right. So sort of to Toby, to Jay, to Mia, to Jam, to, uh, to Marley, to Haley, to uh, Max, to Mills, to Chloe, to Cassie, to Kat, to Meg, uh, to Lucy, to Heather, uh, to Issa, to Charlotte, to Ellie, uh, to Jess, to Jam, and to Tom. Um, sort of, you know, thank you so much for all of your support this season because I, you know, they've been incredible with edits and designs and videos and written content and. You know, we couldn't do it without them as a team. And they, they, you know, we're not in a position at the moment to pay people. I would like to, you know, get into that position. Hopefully, we'll be in that way to reward sort of creators. But sort of, you know, we've had players, so much of the squad have recognized people's talent this season. We know players, you know, have backgrounds being used as their phone wallpapers and sort of interactions with players and players quote tweeting us and retweeting us and club official accounts sort of, you know, interacting with us. And it's all just a real special atmosphere, especially on the CFCW social side. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to really thank them all for that, for sort of an incredible year, because it's as sort of, you know, as a manager, sort of a member of the management team, uh, at times you sort of, you know, you wonder sort of um, how sort of committed people are going to be when the going gets tough and things get a little harder and we've all got things going on and everyone has just been absolutely, you know, flying in some of the hardest adversity I think we've had on the social and personal level in the last sort of 18 months. So I want to just say, you know, a massive thank you to all of them. Yeah. If, if y'all have not checked out out there, CFCW socials content, it's incredible. 
but it's, it's some incredible stuff that they got going on. And uh, so it's really been an honor to work with you, Rob, as, as we've gone on this journey with Chelsea together uh, mm-hmm. over the last few months. It's really been an honor. You've done a wonderful job. And, and uh, you know, CFCW Social is doing a great job in terms of the level of content that you all are putting out there on a regular basis. And, and it's been a lot of work. And now it's been a lot of work, really. Uh, so, you know, kudos to all y'all, all y'all over there. Uh, you know, doing that. And, you know, hope I really am open that it, that everything turns out uh, very, very positively for Chelsea and for the fans out there, Chelsea fans out there. Um, I don't know how many people who are fans of other teams are going to uh, get to be cheering for Chelsea just because they're from England. I, I know I will. I, I'm hoping that Chelsea will win, to be honest with y'all. Uh, I really do. Um, and so forth. But my prediction is based on not just because I want them to win, it's just because I think they will actually, yeah. uh, and so forth. But Rob, uh, I've taken up a lot of your time on a very, very busy Sunday. I really appreciate you taking the time at the end of your Sunday over there, uh, and uh, give you some time to rest, celebrate whatever you're going to do to celebrate and get ready for the next uh, hopefully uh, trophy lifting ceremony coming up in a week's time, uh, and so forth. So, thank you so much, Rob. Pleasure. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. It is the end of final Sunday, and we will get your get reactions from Mark um, from the Barmy Army on on Monday with Manchester United after they they finished their season. Unfortunately, they did not make their final goal, making it into the top three, but they came darn close. Uh, we'll be talking with him on Monday. We'll also be talking with Emma from Manchester City Women Fancast uh, about Manchester City's performance, and we got Josh coming up on Tuesday. Uh, he's celebrating the third place finish finally for Arsenal. We'll talk to him on Tuesday. So meanwhile, we are closing out of England is burning for Sunday, Mother's Day again. Happy Mother's Day everywhere, everyone out there. And thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Smash a like, share the videos, share the podcast. If you do not want to see my face at all, we don't see Rob's face, but that's okay. That's cool. That's cool. That's all cool. You don't want to see my face. You can listen to us on a podcast platform. See, that's how it works, right? So you, check you, us you out. May, you, you may get to see my face if we win the Champions League. Oh, 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 really? <laughs> oh, wow. You may. <laughs> okay. All right. I, 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 okay, Rob. I, I'm not going to hold you to it necessarily, Rob. I'm not going to hold you to it. But, hey, if you want to grace us uh, there. But, but my point is, y'all, smash a like on the video. Share the video. Share the podcast. We're on every podcast platform out there in the world. Even some I've never, ever, ever heard of. We're on that, too. Uh, share, you know, that is how this podcast has grown. This is how this video cast has grown. It's been word of mouth. I have no advertising budget. You should see it. It's terrible. Uh, and so forth. So thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. In closing, remember, the light is out there. Let the light become part of you. Acknowledge it. and begin Let it become part of you and who you are and what you've got going on. Also, we have to acknowledge, unfortunately, the darkness is out there as well. Do not let it hug you under any circumstance. If it does or even comes close, get help for yourself. Get help for each other. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And, and y'all, England is burning, is closing for Sunday. Take care, all. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Thank you so much.